Everybody, welcome back to the Looking Dog Podcast. This is your host Elias Roush. Today, this podcast is sponsored by Elias Roush Media, photo, video, and digital media production. Available at eliasroush.com. We are discussing Maniac Season One, Episode Three. Have a nice day. A lot of impressions on this episode, so I wanted to just kind of go a little, little scene by scene with this one. As it begins, everyone discusses their experience taking the pill. Owen doesn't take his, and they flag him specifically for inconsistencies. They go through multiple uh, interviews, and it's it's actually kind of funny, just a little bit how they do it, but uh, one guy describes, he's like bleeding, he's like internal bleeding, and the, we're kind of like wondering how their experience is going. Um... We did see Annie's experience. She seems to uh, have many emotions that say that um, she wants to go further with the trial. The The way they have this like five or six point camera positioning going on the people with their eyes and emotions behind them with uh, the televisions um, is really interesting. Um, clearly you can see that Jonah Hill's character Owen is lying and... Uh, Muramonti's not having shit. I mean, he can he can already tell um, that he didn't take the pill. So, um, eventually, everyone is called in, and um, they are told, you know, we gotta um, y'all are flagged for inconsistencies. And this is more of a plot building episode for uh, from a character development standpoint. Like we're kind of understanding. A little bit more about these characters that they're living with um this really feels like it might have been based off of like a legion um fx series if you think about how you know the uh, the psych war is involved in um in the show just the stylist uh uh the style of how people are wearing these kind of jumpsuits very similar to in legion um there's like this uh very earth tone earthy but like space tone to the uh place that they're staying in so anyways back to when everybody is um sitting on the bench it's uh owen annie and uh let me see what that one guy's name is i kind of forgot uh he's the loony guy uh he's number five sorry um played by danny hooch who honestly is cracking me the hell up he's pretty he's pretty hilarious um he just always acts like he's been around the bend and he knows how these things go and he's like um i don't know he just has a hilarious uh demeanor about him um but anyways owen goes in to mr uh, muramatu's uh, office and he describes his experience um basically he explains that jed used to explain um oh, sorry we're gonna go into the little depth of uh what they were talking about jonah hill ends up having to um 
explain his experience and the experience is Jed coming up to him and you know saying uh, something about his past you know um, he's basically blackmailing Owen so that you know that he makes sure he um, is in his favorite and is in his court in case um, something goes awry in this court case that involves Jed and um, he Jed apparently knows that uh, Owen used to write the congressman saying that he noticed a pattern in the universe and the pattern was to overthrow the government and this is very close to another show we've talked about in the past two episodes um but yeah i was like okay so this is the underlying basis of where the pattern is the pattern and so um he threatens to basically tell everybody that jenna hill's crazy uh but owen's crazy and uh you know on anthrax and on drugs and just strung out i guess um fucked up fucked up shit by jed so this leads to jed going to sing to uh adeline which is his fiance and i think that owen has a thing for her or something they 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 definitely talk in the first episode like they have some sort of connection but we're not really sure um adelaide sorry um and so, yeah, I was really curious about how the connection, there's some more information we are not getting between Owen and, um, Adelaide. Cause I mean, he, Owen wanted to run away, um, with her in the first episode. Um, and I don't know, Jed maybe went after her. Maybe this is one of his past girlfriends. I'm not really sure. Um, as Jed begins to sing in the scene, to Adelaide, 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 what is her name? I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, Owen just is like nervously going back and forth, back and forth, going upstairs, and then eventually he just jumps off the roof and uh, lands right smacking on top of the party, and everyone's screaming, and essentially he tries to commit suicide, I guess, because of all this. I mean, I was like, what? Uh, once again, this is very close to another another show we've discussed um other many other shows we've discussed actually um just with you know with the suicide angle coming in because of uh, a past lover or because of a brother um yeah it's 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 not uncommon when it comes to i guess you know some of these dramas um flash forward to main day muramatu calls out owen for not taking the pill he says, no money, no honor, just shame. And I love this acting by both of these characters. One, Jonah Hill looks absolutely exhausted. I don't think he actually slept for maybe like a week before hopping on set for this. It was it was insane just the way how tired he looked. One of his eyes was, was, was cocked off to the side and um, Muramatu was in his face. And uh, I, 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 it, it was intense. Um... Annie walks into Dr. Muramatu's office, and we get a quick glimpse at the photo of Muramatu's son. Um, do we have Muramatu's son's name? I don't think we have. Well, Muramatu's son, who we assume is the guy that we saw in the second episode, who is Annie's drug dealer. 
Um, very cool, very subtle connection. I really like storytelling like that um, specifically. Oh, I think his name is Calvin, played by Marcus Tijoy. I think I said that right. I hope. Um, Calvin, which is Muramatu's son, who I believe we saw second episode, who is the drug dealer who is responsible for hooking Annie with up with the goods, and um, yeah, so. We get a very quick, subtle connection, and uh, nothing, nothing big. I think Muramatu actually maybe um, notices that she looks at the photo, and uh, yeah. So we get an explanation that Annie enjoys the experience of being on the pill. It's uh, kind of a ride. It really gives her ups and downs. Like she's said terrible things to her sister that day specifically that it seems to make be to, to, it makes her relive but um she also gets to spend time with her sister which evidently is not happening in the main timeline so um yeah it's a it's a, a give or take kind of thing double-edged sword if, if you will um yeah, Dr. Muramatu says uh, people always experience pain and loss, but always, and 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 they usually overcome the loss, but then they somehow relapse, and all of a sudden Muramatu just, uh, I don't know, his heart stops and he dies right right in front of him, like slam right there, and. Uh, as he dies, she, as he died right in front of her, she doesn't believe it. She searches his office and moves files around. Um, the ones that were supposed to not be admitted, probably them. Um, you know, Annie Owen and number five. Um, but she doesn't take the pills. And I was curious why she doesn't take the pills. Maybe she just wants to continue with the experience of some sort. I'm not really sure. Um, we can follow that a little bit later, but I mean, she does seem, she shows interest earlier that she wants to, um, you know, she wants to follow through with taking the rest of the pills. So, um, she, uh, lets Owen in the, uh, in the window, in the window, in the, uh, in the office and uh Owen explains about his experience taking the pill the um the blip the brief and limited psychosis evidently a girl he liked was paid by his parents and to talk to him and his brother who he hallucinates told him all about this so um this is an entirely fucked up thing that his entire family did and I'm not really sure if this is Adelaide who eventually marries Jed um that would be kind of fucked uh just he's got a very odd situation kind of similar to the succession if anyone's seen that on HBO we're also podcasting that check that out um but it seems that this rich family has a lot of um poor history if you will, uh, y'all gonna hate that, but, um, but it, 
is interesting that his hallucinated the the brother he is hallucinating who is crimson i believe jed with a mustache i guess his brother that he trusts um is the one that is telling him that you know it's a setup his his that girl is not there for you um like what else is this guy telling you and i mean it makes sense why he's starting to believe that you know the pattern is the pattern blah 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 that type of thing we're learning in the first and second episode um so um it this whole thing with his folks and his uh brother jed it really shows where the distrust came from all this is happening while um annie's looking for the a pills um Owen also describes being taken to a psych hospital, and I think he says he was strapped down. So he went full-on crazy, evidently, and it, 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 I don't think we've seen nearly enough to explain what type of uh, state of mind he's in. I mean, we've, we've seen bits and pieces, but I mean, we haven't really gotten... I think there's uh, some major pieces that we're missing. So... Um, all the food is square when everyone is being fed. I was like, huh? I was like, what is square meals? I don't know. And that one guy, um, let me see if I can find the announcer's name. He's one of my favorite uh, new actors I've ever seen or heard because this guy has like an amazing voice. And he seems, he seems to, uh, I don't know, I could hear him on commercials or something. Let's see. Carl, I believe. James Monroe Ig. Eaglehart, who is Carl, I believe Carl is the announcer of, uh, you know, what, what everyone is supposed to be doing, whether either, you know, eating, sleeping, going to do the next uh, experiment or, uh, you know, test. And Carl just has this very nice way of speaking, and he sounds like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and every time he speaks, it sounds like you're learning something. 30 to 70% of the time. I mean, it is just like crazy good. And I, I want to hear this guy on like a, a commercial or something. I don't know. He's, he's, he's up there in new voices. Um, yeah. So all of the food is square. One of the, uh, one of the, uh, what's it called? Uh, number three, I think says, uh, <laughs> it tastes like my cat's uterus and someone says stay out of your cat's uterus <laughs> oh my goodness i think uh number seven says the number three stay out of there oh my gosh and that shit was it's just like subtle i don't know things like that are just kind of funny and necessary to keep the the spirits up in this um kind of it's not a dark depressing show it just isn't that uh happy i guess and so small things like that really help um also the color palette of this i think it's really bright um it's not it's it, like neon bright almost 80s neon bright um greg fun neslin was the driver passed out behind the wheel of the semi-truck that hit annie and um and her sister and i'm not sure if we i don't think we have confirmation that her sister's dead so i'm not going to say she is but it was a very touching scene between um between her and 
just the rest of the people that were in, engaged with, I don't know, sharing the loss, the, the experience of loss is, um, or not, not just loss, it's trauma. It's sharing the experience of trauma has been very impactful for all of these people in this, um, facility, this testing facility. And I think this specific scene, um, when, you know, just two people are talking like, um, specifically Owen and Annie, when they're just discussing trauma, normally everyone at the table is honestly listening. And so, um, these people are all becoming a lot closer. <clears throat> uh, Dr. Azumi gets approval from her boss on the 77th floor to bring Dr. Mantle Ray back after discovering Morimatu is dead. Um, Dr. Mantle Ray stops. Sorry, Dr. Mantle Ray. Dr. Azumi goes to Dr. Mantle Ray's apartment. And I had to stop scene by scene just to look at this dude's office because it is ridiculous. Um, a couple of just ridiculous things that I found um, when you, when they stopped and, well, we're introduced to Dr. Mantle Ray with him having some sort of animation, um, sexual encounter online. I don't know. It's very, uh, anime driven and very, I don't want to offend people that are into this type of stuff. So I'm not going to just flat out say it's, it's weird but it's definitely not my cup of tea um they um it seems that dr mantle ray is uh aglomophobic phobia he has aglomophobia if i said that right and it's a paraphilia involving sexual attraction to a statue doll or mannequin and i i think this is intertwined with another paraphilic um paraphilia he just has weird arousal arousals about um just extreme or atypical things and it is just very uncomfortable when we were searching dr mantle ray's office or just like looking around it um it's just these screenshots that they show and it's like things you see like floppy disks and it's uh advertisements that all it took was to push her buttons was a typo <laughs> uh another floppy di disk says like true erection yellow fever beavers sin number three uterus massage 2.0 ultra high powered rp rpm stimulation para paraphilic monthly just sexual utensils like this guy has like weird sexual deviations okay so i i'm sorry i probably offended somebody by saying that but this guy has very different sexual proclivities than the majority of the population i would say and i just was i the first time i saw it i was like this is fucking gross just he had some like sort of i don't know uh thing hooked up around his waist and VR goggles that he was having some sort of weird intercourse thing with and it when Azumi is just in there it clearly they've had some sort of relationship or past something or another and she is just kind of 
grossed the fuck out just as we are and uh i uh or the majority of people are in some in some cases um the just explaining this is just kind of like making me oh gosh it's just like just very odd so yeah that was uh, another one also i did call that uh Justin Thoreau had a wig, because that was, uh, I was like, wait a second, that's not his real hair, um, <laughs> oh goodness, so, uh, yeah, it was very odd, um, lighting, lighting in this entire episode, just the, in the entire facility with the pink and the greens and the, um, the contrast is just extraordinary, so, um, the specific scene that really caught my eye was <clears throat> the pink undertones of the supercomputer, Gerta, G-R-T-A. Um, we haven't found out too much about what Gerta knows. I know that we, I, it, it could be some sort of AI technology. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it does seem to possess some sort of emotion when... Muramatu is uh, revealed to have been dead and I I just thought it was a very cool design I, th I think it's kind of retro I mean most supercomputers these days if you think about it I'm pretty sure don't have a thousand buttons on it but it still has an old school design like if you look at a Star Wars movie and look at one of the doors or one of the panels in there there's tons and tons of buttons it's like what are all those buttons for it's like buttons like that don't exist now it's uh in the future we have digital buttons or we have different screens or different tabs um everything's you know touch screen gerda has very physical buttons and i think that uh adds to the the look and style of it also the, the rainbow colors that are a motif throughout the entire season um i have a feeling we'll continue to see it um yeah so um one thing i don't know if i've said enough is i really like dr Azumi. i think she's really uh come to the forefront since we've lost muramoto she was kind of low-key in the first two episodes and i think she's really starting to flesh out as a character um i hate that we lost Muramoto, dr muramoto but um i'm glad that we do have dr Azumi. i do kind of wish she was a, you know the head of the the task i don't see why she can't be head of this uh force um of this testing um you know of people so um yeah the the lighting is extraordinary i love the pink undertones of the supercomputer um the sleeping cabinets where everyone stays are a really interesting and um sleek design um i think it's actually probably uh, japanese based i think aren't there and correct me if I'm, if i'm wrong but i think that they have pods sleeping airbnb pods kind of like similar to that um <clears throat> so uh the oh yeah one thing about the pods i think the pods might be what um annie's father were sleeping in or what whatever he was in um yeah i it might have been one of those pods um the reflection of Gerda in Azumi's glasses is one of the most memorable scenes I think I've seen in, uh, yeah, I want to I say TV or cinema in you know, a couple years. It's just uh, a unique scene, situation, person, 
you know, it's just a, a, a beautiful, beautifully shot and it's a memorable uh, scene that I honestly could, you know, you could take one of you could screenshot it and put it on your wall and I think it would look gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I think it has green um, reflection lights in her glasses and it's just, um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, Gerda cries and produces water, water or some sort of condensation on uh, the wired equipment. And I'm not 100% sure how that happened. So uh, I'm like, hey, like a hey, like hey. So that sounds like a big hazard for a little bit later. <clears throat> um, Dr. Mantle Ray has an awkward introduction to the, the, the patient's. And he basically says, welcome to Mind Lantis, um, which honestly sounds like one of those floppy disks or uh, uh, one of those weird sex games that he was playing earlier on his VR. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, but given where we end up at the end of the episode, I don't believe that's exactly where we're going to go. So TV... The TV icons and animations I thought were really unique for uh, navigating the different sections of the experience, the patient experience. Like, so when they're going to sleep or when they're eating, there's these little icons that pop up on that uh, that old school television above every of above the the main table. Everyone circles around. Um, it's cool just as a an act break kind of for us as the audience, but it also gives a cool little animation and it explains what's about to happen so yeah i i, I enjoy it um let me see anything else we had to talk about the wires spark once everyone is sat down is in, and is engaged for the next task or for the next test um and obviously that's not good owen aka bruce is awoken by Annie in what looks to be a 1980s country living Nebraska chilling in out in the open country bay or something like that. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but uh are we in some sort of mind bendy dreams and similar to like Inception or Eternal Spotless uh, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind? Um are we in a memory? What's going on? There's not enough information for the average viewer just to watch this and just kind of expect to know what's going on. Since they're both in, um, since they're both in the same future, since they're both the same age with like basically the same, they're like themselves in a country age or in a country setting, Midwestern setting, um, and they're saving on food. I mean, she had like three spaghetti noodles, and she was like, "Save this!" And he was like, "Yeah, you know." And um, Jonah Hill has some sort of uh, uh, ridiculous haircut. Um, it's slipping my mind in a second. Uh, what is it called? My fault. It was a mullet. I was like, "What is that again?" It's such a. I try not to think about how how that's going to be a hairstyle again probably one day. You never know. Someone's going to bring it back. So it's a mullet. <laughs> um, yeah, Jonah Hill has a mullet. Annie 
any um emma stone has you know country country southern midwestern living and uh i didn't recognize the jersey um that he had on said moon i believe um let me see if i can find that for y'all before we sign off so we found it we found the jersey it is warren moon of the dallas cowboy let me see career history vikings 94 to 96 seahawks to 97 to 98 chiefs 99 to 2000 so uh yeah uh warren moon is the is the jersey that i believe that uh owen is wearing so maybe that gives us some sort of time frame uh hope this helps everybody rate share subscribe look dog podcast check us out iphone android apps let us know anything you need to know comments questions concerns all available to be answered in the show notes. Thank you and take it easy.